0: People that are around, why come to the second? Why should the angels come to the Seppards? They, they only made an appearance for one group. That's the Seppards. They didn't make appearances in Israel. They didn't make appearances to the priests. They didn't make appearances to uh, more religious people. They came to the Seppards. They said, we've got to a sign of Jesus. Here's what it's going to be. Now did Here's the thing in the scripture that says, "And this shall be a sign to you." This is specifically a sign to this group of people. Now what we need to understand is that back in these days, seafood important. How many y'all like Atlanta? Do like I can't say land all the time, but if I go for the, for an authentic, you I went the land. So to and, you know, that with land. That's how good you me. And then they got that good thing the land and you have all the things and good. I enjoyed them. But um, not everybody likes lamb. They're used to eating land out here, but that's not all that they praise the land for. Because they had to have sacrifices. Remember the old testament? They needed to have for one particular sacrifice, mm-hmm. they needed to have a feast. Not Specifically, half of the land has to be completely perfect. It can be damaged or, damaged or anyway. And so instead of just waiting for the perfect land to come along and setting it aside, what they began to do was they set up a group of people to raise perfect land. These where this, their whole sole purpose in life was to have land where the sheep would give birth to land who so would be blemish free. And they would raise them until they are kind of And then they would you'd come to buy one of these perfect lands and bring them because you couldn't bring them So that's what these, these folks produced. Now, when they were raising these things, I, I've never been around sheep. Anybody ever been around sheep? I and mean, had a lot of sheep right, uh, I'm told that sheep really smell. I know that cow smell. And we're all kind of used to cows around here. And there was one particular farm that was near a place that I lived. And I, I avoided running there. I, I like to run. And I avoided running there around certain times because they fertilize their signaling. Which is far smellier than anything cow-free. And, yeah. and I do not want to go one year, that's because you keep breathing it in, you keep breathing I, I stay away from those places where they would have that. I don't know that teeth smell right, but I'm told that they smell really bad. They look cute and especially in the land. So what they did, because all these things would happen, remember the city, all these sacrifices would take place in? They It happened to be very So you had to raise these sheep. Somewhere around Jerusalem. So they had a particular group of shepherds who would raise these sheep, and they didn't want them in the city of Jerusalem anymore because they snuck. So they took them out of Jerusalem, and they put them nearby a town right outside of Jerusalem. In fact, this place is right along the road between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. These were the sheep, these were the shepherds. The angel came and announced it to truth. They announced it to the church to raise the limit of Now, there's a particular place that these folks were at. It was called the Tower of the Clock. The Tower of the Clock. And the watchtower is there. People would be in the watchtower to the watch over there. But so this is the area where they had a and where these folks would be at. And it was also known that this was going to be the place that Messiah would be announced. It had been taught to them. There was a prophecy in Micah. I think
1: I put that up in that one. I'm going to go and look that up. There was a prophecy in Micah that talked about That from here, this announcement will be made. They they had uh, believed that. So they were looking for this announcement to come. And here are the shepherds around this tower. And the angels come to them and announce the birth. But they said this to him. They said this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Most people do not put babies in mangers and most of the time we focus on the fact that there was a manger and a baby in a manger would be a sign. But that's not the sign. The sign is very specific in Scripture and it meant everything to them. It said you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Do you remember when they came to Bethlehem, that there was no room for them in the inn? And so they put them out into the, into the, um, into the manger, the, the, the place there where they had, they had, I can't think of the name of it now, the stable, thank you, they had a stable. Well, the tower of the Megiddo, when they had all the sheep around, sheep are kept outside 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're outside, that's where they are. The only time they brought them in was when the ewes were going to give birth to lambs. And when they would bring them inside, they would bring them inside a particular stable that was used just for the ewes who would give birth to the lambs that would be selected for the sacrifice. So these shepherds who tended these flocks had a stable nearby that they would take them too. Now, how do we know that Jesus was brought to that stable? Because the angel said to the shepherds, this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, one of the things that these shepherds would do, one of their skill sets that they had, is that when the ewes were born, they would look them over and to make sure that they were without blemish. If they had blemishes, I guess they would just put them into another, another uh, group and they can be used for other purposes. But the blemish-free ones, these they kept and they raised them up. But they had to make sure that they didn't get injured because if they got injured when they were a little lamb, they were no longer blemish-free. And so what they would do is they would wrap them up in a particular cloth to make sure that while they were young, they would not become damaged. So these cloths were there at the stable because that's where they were born. And so what the angel is saying to him is this. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Remember he said this will be a sign to you? Because these folks would come when the ewes would give birth and look at the lambs who were there for the sacrifice and determine if it was blemish-free If it was, they would wrap it up in swaddling clothes and lay it in a manger. Those mangers are not there for babies because people don't usually stay here. They're there for the lambs because that's what this stable was used for. Did you notice this? Did the angels ever tell the shepherds where to go? How did the shepherds know what manger to go to? Did you ever ask that when you read this story? How do they know what manger to go to? There's a lot of mangers, a lot of sheep were raised all over the country. How do these shepherds know where to go? It was simple. When he said, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, that's the stable. He's going to be wrapped in the clothes that we wrapped the lambs up with and put in one of the mangers. They went right to the stable we went right for the angel, right to the stable, and then they came in, they saw the family over there, and they saw the baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in the manger. Because that's what you did with a sacrifice lamb, who Jesus was. He was our sacrifice lamb. He was born blemish-free, wrapped in swaddling clothes, which were the particular clothes used for these lambs. It's not a hospital. Sometimes we hear the idea that he was born in a hospital. They took the clothes. Because in the hospital, they always wrap them up in in nice and tight. They're all wrapped up real tight because the babies like to be wrapped up real tight, right? And we just think, well, that's just what they're doing. You don't normally wrap up wild animals in swaddling clothes. But this particular group of shepherds did so with the lambs. And when they came in, they saw, looking for Messiah, and saw... The baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Can you see why the angel said, This will be a sign to you? This was a sign to them. They knew exactly where to go. And when they saw this before them, they said, Wow, we have been wrapping sacrifice lambs up for years. And always the sacrifice lamb in the Jewish history. Pointed to Messiah. Mm-hmm. You remember when Abraham was up on the mountain, he was sacrificing his own son. and God's, He said to his son, God will himself provide a lamb. And they got up there and God stopped him from sacrificing his son. Abraham, I just need to know that you are willing to. Now that you are willing to, I can sacrifice my son for you. That's all he needed to do. just needed to be willing to. And he could act on that. And he, and he looked over in the thicket and there was a ram. But what did he prophesy? God will himself provide a lamb. lamb. Jesus Christ would be that lamb. He would be the one that would put all the Passover sacrifices to rest. He would be the one. He would be the last one needed. So the shepherds came. And they saw the tower of the flock. Also called the Migdal Eder. This is is a place in in Israel's history. Jacob came and he he, uh, grazed his sheep right here on this spot on his journey over to Hebron. A lot of times in the Bible, things have historical significance. David bought the land that he put the temple on because of its historical significance. Jesus was crucified on a plot of ground that had historical significance. And Jesus was born in a place that had historical significance. That's what he he did. Well, this was assigned to them. It wouldn't be assigned to us because we wouldn't really know. I mean, do we normally wrap up lamb? I don't know. I don't, we would be thinking that, right? Because I don't I don't usually birth lambs. Closest we ever came, we uh, we bred German shepherds, and uh, and we birthed them. And I, I got to be be right in there with it. We did all the, the cord cutting, all the, the, the things that go along with that. It was interesting. But they're probably not the same thing as the lambs. But many Christians, we look for signs. We look for signs. And sometimes we come up with signs of our own. The angel said, this shall be a sign unto you. When an angel comes to you and says, this shall be a sign unto you, you can rest assured it's going to be a sign to you. <clears throat> but we've come up with our own signs, haven't we? Haven't you had a sign when how smoothly things go today? When things are going, one thing after another, after another goes wrong, how many of you say, this must be a sign? Ever said that? This must be a sign. You take a new job and one bad thing after another happens and you think, this must be a sign. I shouldn't have taken this job. I shouldn't have this job. Don't we think that? We're looking how smoothly things go. And if things go smoothly, we say, oh, this is a sign. God must be in this. And if it doesn't go well, we say, this is a sign. God must not be in this. When problems pop up, we kind of try and take that as a direction. Well, I shouldn't go this way. I shouldn't do that. How dramatically something came to be. Oh, but you don't know what happened. I know God was in this because, and we list all the things that happened. And that just doesn't happen by accident. Because it was very dramatic. I guess the devil's never been dramatic, has he? We bring all these things up and we bring them in as signs and we look at them as signs, but they're not necessarily signs. These are usually signs, we put in your outline this, these are usually signs we have created. It's not like the angel said, this shall be a sign unto you, your day shall go wonderfully. This is not one God has pointed to. God has pointed to signs. There were signs in the Bible. When Moses was wandering around the wilderness, not following the call of God, he saw a bush burning. And that was a sign from God. Got his attention, right? There was Pharaoh. Pharaoh had ten plagues that came upon his country as signs that his gods were not gods and that the God was God. They were signs to him that let my people go. He didn't listen to them. Finally, the 10th one, he did. Israel, they came up to the Red Sea. God led them there specifically. And they're trapped now. They got barriers in their left and their right. The Egyptian army is coming from behind. And the Red Sea is in front of them. What will we ever do? And what did God do? Come on, we've all watched this thing on TV. (laughs) Moses steps out there, stretches out his rod, and the waters parted. That does not happen normally. I've never been out to a place where the waters parted. Waters parted, and the Israelites walked across on dry ground. Would that be a sign to you? I mean, if you walked through the Red Sea with towering water on this side and towering water on that side, would that be a sign to you? These walls were so high of water that when the Egyptian army came driving on through, these walls of water crashed upon them and every single one of them drowned. We all know the story of Gideon. He was uh, unsure of the, the call of God and so he set up a sign. He said, I'm going to put out a fleece and if the dew falls in the morning and it just lands on the fleece and all the rest of the ground is dry, I'm going to know it's you. And he woke up the next day And the fleece was wet with dew, but the rest of the ground was dry. And you know what he said? I'm convinced now this is the plan of God. No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, well, maybe it just dewed in this one area. (laughs) I mean, that happens all the time, doesn't it? It's just one little spot. So he says, all right, this is what we're going to do. The next morning, I want the dew to fall everywhere else, but not on the fleece. And the dew fell everywhere else, but not on the fleece. And he still wasn't convinced. And so God gave him a sign, if you remember the story. And God says, tell you what, go down into the camp of the enemy. Sneak on down there and listen. And so he snuck on down to the camp and he listened. And two guys in the camp, they said, I had a dream last night. Oh, what was your dream? Well, I had this dream that, and it became this figurative thing of this loaf of bread that came rolling down into the camp. And the other one interpreted He says, oh, well, that's nothing more than Gideon coming down and killing us all. <laughs> and Gideon said with well, that, he, he was convinced. He went on back and got him in faith for one day. <laughs> he wasn't in faith after that, but for that one day he was in faith and did a tremendous thing. And, of course, he went from all the men that he had down to a few hundred. Went into battle with 200 men and they all made sounds and noises and people killed themselves. Yeah, it was something. But these are some of the signs that were in the Bible. The Gideon one, he made up his own. But then when he got the one from God, he followed it and it worked. But there are times, folks, we have set up our own signs of appointment. We'll see that in the Bible in Exodus chapter 32. In verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that we shall go before us, for as for for this Moses the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. So here's what they're saying. We came here. Moses led us here. We're here at the mountain. He went up into the mountain. We haven't seen him in a while. It's been a number of days. So we don't know what happened to him. So we think that's a sign that we need to do something else because Moses isn't coming back. Now that sign didn't work out so well for them. They actually went and they made golden caps and uh, God wasn't too pleased with that. I want to read two more verses for you. Exodus 32, verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have corrupted themselves. God had no hand in this. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commended them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. They did this because they saw this as a sign. Folks, we cannot create our own signs. We cannot create well well God I, things were just going so badly. Don't don't take your own signs. I told you the, the story before, one of the job one of my favorite jobs I ever had. Delivering horseradish to the place. I didn't even like horseradish when I took the job. But I asked for God for a couple of things in that job. I said, first off, I said, I want a job that pays me better than what I'm getting. And this one did. I said, I want a job that would let me drive around into the countryside and learn some of the roads that are around here because I never had driven around the roads around here. I was at school, came on back and wanted to learn some of the roads that are around here. And I gave a few other things that I wanted to do. I wanted to work Monday through Friday. I didn't want to work Saturday and Sunday because I was involved in the church and wanted to do things in, in there. And so along came this job that paid me more, had me drive in a truck, to learn all the roads that were around, and only was Monday to Friday. They did not want you working Saturday and Sunday. Pretty much the factory, the the place was closed. And the customers that I would see delivering, they didn't want to see you on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, it hit everything that I wanted it to do. And when I started that job off, it did not go very well. (laughs) The signs pointed to the fact that I made a big mistake. Because we didn't, uh, we had a, you know the UPS trucks that are around? Well, that's what I drove around in. We drove around, they call it a step van. Drove around in this UPS style truck. And there's one seat in the UPS style truck. But I had to be driven around to be shown where all the routes were. So they put a second seat in, which was Have you ever been to the beach? You know those folding chairs you take to the beach? That was my seat. I got a folding chair in the truck. Now, what happens in a folding chair if you put the brakes on real quick? (laughs) Yeah, that happened a number of times. It was not fun. It was not a fun place to sit. Now, in the truck, it's a big truck. It has one heater. This is in the winter. This is in January I started this job. Driving around in the winter. Well, you can't be in the passenger side because there's no real place to put a folding seat. Of course, there is no seatbelt. So, I'm in the back with the cargo. I'm supposed to be learning the route. I can't see where he's going. So I can't learn the route. And the heater does not heat the cab. It heats you. It blows heat on you. That's all that it does. So I'm in the back shivering. It's cold. One, day, one time on a Wednesday, I had to go in. It's one of those rare times. It says, I think it's the only time. And I don't know what in the world happened. But somehow on this Wednesday night service, I was called upon to lead worship. Can you imagine that? i don't know what got into them i was called upon to lead worship in this wednesday night service they were obviously were desperate i came on in from this day it was cold outside i was in a cold truck cold had set all the way in through me i was shivering for so long after i got done the job when i was leading worship i was still shivering from being cold now how many of y'all know this is this is not a fun job this is not a fun job. And since I was going around and seeing all the routes, but I wasn't learning them because I'm in the back, I can't learn them. We had to keep driving around, and then they switched to somebody else. They're going to show me the routes, and they're going to mix them, and then they mixed up the routes. All We just kept going on this, and I think this is ridiculous. I obviously miss God. This is not going well. Well, once we finally got out of that and got to learn the, the route, it ended up, the, I did the local routes, and local routes were fun. After my first year, they gave me the shore run. I got to be paid to go down to shore and drive a truck to all the beach resorts all year long. Man, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Ended up being one of the best jobs I had ever had. Loved that job. Looked forward to going to work. Looked forward to doing all this stuff. Looking forward to interacting with the, the customers we had. It was just it was fun. I had that with other jobs too where you sometimes you start the job and it just problem, problem, problem. How many you have that? Problem, problem, problem. does not mean that you miss God. Look at the children of Israel. They followed God. They left Egypt. They come into the wilderness. And what happens? The Red Sea. Three days after the Red Sea, no water. No food. Manna begins to fall. Water comes from the rocks. All these different problems they have out there But God was still wanting them to be there. Just because you have problems in your life, in your job, what it is you're going on, think of it this way. We all have had, most of us have had kids at this point. Have any of them been born to anyone here perfect? They came out with some problems, didn't they? But you kept on going. You didn't go to God and say, God, obviously this was a mistake. Just because things have not gone well does not mean it's a sign from God or anyone that you're not in the right place. Paul was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Every single place he went to, what happened? Beatings, riots. It, did not, it was not smooth. Every place he went, problems. Just because we have problems does not mean we miss God. That's not a sign. But well, some people take it as a sign and they end up moving on from what God had them in. So here's another one prayers answered or unanswered. Well, God, if it's your will, let them have a red car with black interior, and I'll know that's a sign from you that that's the car I should buy. <laughs> Right, And if you go in there and there is no red car with a black interior, well, obviously God doesn't want me to have a car. But sometimes we do this. We look at the will of God for whether prayers are answered or whether prayers are unanswered. That has nothing to do with it. Sometimes the Word of God says your prayers are unanswered because you asked wrong. Sometimes we ask without faith. Sometimes we ask without knowing what the will of God was. There's a lot of reasons for, for that. Find out what the reason is. Don't just think you're in the wrong place or doing the wrong thing. But the enemy loves to come over and whisper. Whenever we have unanswered prayers, whenever we have difficulties, you're in the wrong. You're doing the wrong thing because he wants to get you to move. He wants you to get you out. He wants to get you to change. Don't do that. Here's another one that we do. Need or urgency? Well, God knows that I need this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's a whole lot of people in the Bible who had needs. God does not minister to needs. He ministers to faith. God does not minister to urgency. He ministers to faith. Word of God tells us without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's why we learn about faith. We learn what the Bible teaches us about faith. So can you be moved off the course God puts you on by the signs that are around you? Can you get moved that way? How many of you remember a movie that was called, um, oh, it just went out of my head, um, Burt Reynolds, Sally Sally Fields, when they uh, first teamed up in the in the movie? Uh, Bandit. What was it? Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. You remember? Now, one of the scenes in Smokey and the Bandit, one of the per- persons who was ahead, the didn't they change the sign? <laughs> Pretty sure it was, it was Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Changed the sign so that when the The boss, the the, the bad guy, when he came on by, he saw the sign and he followed in the wrong direction. Can you get a sign to steer you in the wrong direction? See, sometimes we don't stay the course because the Bible tells us to stay the course. We don't stay the course because the Spirit of God told us to stay the course. We don't stay the course because we think we ought to stay the course. We change courses because, well, there's a sign. (laughs) Matthew 12 39. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous, this is after they asked him, show us a sign. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. They didn't even know. Maybe, that, maybe they might not have even know that was a sign. The sign of Jonah. As he was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale or in the belly of the fish. Bible doesn't actually say whale, just as a fish. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He would die three days, three nights in the heart of the earth and then be raised again. What are the signs in your life telling you? Are the signs in your life telling you to quit? Are the signs in your life telling you to change? Are the signs in your life telling you to be discouraged? Are the signs in your life telling you you don't have time for God? I don't have time to read the Bible? Are there signs in your life that are telling you these things? Are you following after those signs? How many have a phone now with GPS on it? Anybody? How many's got a phone? I got a phone with GPS on it. Everybody got a phone. Who does not have a phone with GPS on it? That is a shame. I have become so used to phones with GPSs on. Them. You know, you just can take that address, hit the button. And there you go. You know, when I make bunk beds, I deliver most of them, and so I get their address. And I store it into the memory. And so when I'm ready to go, I just call their contact information up and hit go. And it takes me right there. Sometimes they all want to give me directions. I don't need directions. Don't need directions. I got my GPS. It'll get me there just fine. If I run into trouble, I'll give you a call. Now, it wasn't always this way. We didn't always have GPS. We had maps. Anybody remember back when we had maps? We We had maps. I used to, uh, I worked for a company, this is not one of my favorite jobs, this is one of my least favorite jobs in my entire life, but I worked for this company, and we had to go out, when I was out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we had to go out to the Boone Docks. There are only two cities of, of value in Oklahoma. <laughs> two cities of value in Oklahoma. That's it. I have been there. <laughs> I, know, I know it. I've talked to the residents there. There are only two cities. Value if you're going to go out to Oklahoma, there's only two places to visit Tulsa and Oklahoma City. I don't like Oklahoma City, it's there, but all the rest of the towns are on the map if they have either a Walmart or a McDonald's. Most places don't have either. There are there, and when I was going, there were cities in Oklahoma, no McDonald's, no Burger King, nothing. Now, here's how bad it was. For directions, uh, one guy he said I had to meet him at his house. He said, "When you get into town, call me." We did not have cell phones back in the '80s. We, we, you know, we had quarters. <laughs> yeah, quarters. Go out to the payphone, put the quarter in. So I pull into town. I call to the to the payphone. I put the quarter in, and I dial his number. He goes, "All right, you're in you're in town. Are you at the payphone?" I did not know at the time there was only one payphone in the town. I just found the payphone and called. There's one payphone in town. He gave me the directions. He knew exactly where I was because there's only one payphone in town. That's some tough directions right there. One guy I went to, I don't think if I GPSed it, I would have found him. I went out in a brand new 1989, 1988 Ford Probe that had this car and to get out to his, his place I had to first off wait for the cows to get out of the road and then when I got closer to his, his property there was a bridge over a bog to get to his place now how many of you when you think of bridge think of something straight this bridge was not straight this bridge curved all through the bog over to his house All right, now that's not the bad part. Here's the bad part. This bridge is made of wood. It's a homemade bridge. It does not have supports over the entire platform. It had two 4x4s on this side and two 4x4s on this side. You had to drive your car and keep your wheels on the 8 inches over here and the 8 inches over here. I have never seen that kind of a bridge in my entire life. I just started with this job. I negotiated my brand new Ford Probe through the maze and made it successfully. And I said to myself, this guy is either buying or I am not coming back. <laughs> I had not made a sale just yet at this job. He, we, we sat for a while. We talked. He bought the, the, the thing I was selling. He bought the stuff, bought the product. And so I was so happy. I made a sale, even though I had to drive over the worst bridge in the entire world. I'm driving on back over the bridge. I get on back past the cows. I'm heading on back over to, the, to wherever it was I was going next. And all of a sudden, I remember, did I get him to sign that? It was my first time making a sale. I forgot to get him to sign something. So guess where I had to go? Back over the bridge, negotiate the tires on the two 4x4s over here, and the two 4x4s over here to get myself over, get him to sign it, and then then come on back. That wasn't fun. I don't think that would have been on a GPS. But what kind of things do we use to give us direction? There's a lot of people who think things about the Word and they do things that way. And they get themselves into trouble. There's a lot of people who think, well, I think this is the will of God. And they follow it and they get themselves into trouble. What we need to do, folks, is to know what is the will of God. What does the Word of God say? And follow those signs to get you to where you need to go. And when you follow those signs, even though you may run into some trouble, you'll stay. Because you know, I need to to get there. That's where I'm supposed to go. Even though there may be trouble. Even though things may not go real smooth. You go back to God and say, God, you helped people through hardship before. You will help me through hardship today. The Word of God said that this was a sign to the shepherds. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In your life, what is your sign? What are the signs that have been pointing you in the direction that you should go? Did God send it? Did you create it? Did you come up with it? If you follow the signs that God lays for us, we go to a place of success. He does not say that it will be easy. One thing Jesus said when he was here, he said, narrow is the way and narrow is the gate. It has been a while since we studied that one. But, When he uses that word narrow, he uses a specific word that doesn't just mean that it's thin. It means that it's narrow because of all the pressure coming in around you. Now think of it this way. How many are right now or have in the past walked through hallways in a large high school? When you're walking down the hallway, when the bell rings, everybody is in the hallway. And that wide hallway becomes very narrow. And there's just a little spot that's there, and people are pushing you over here, and people are pushing you here. But you can kind of find that daylight that if I can just go right through there. Well, that's what it means when it's narrow. There's all kinds of things pressing in from the right and from the left to try and press that way, make that way hard. He says, Narrow is the way, narrow is the gate. But oh, what blessing it is to those who find it. There's a lot of people on the wide road. Not as many on the narrow. Because not everybody wants to endure all the things that are on the narrow way. We'd rather follow the easy signs. What signs are you following? Because it's easy? Because it just seems like this is the next thing to do? Or are you following the signs from the Word of God? Would you all stand up with me? Every head bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you say, I've gotten off the path. I've followed some of the wrong signs. But I want to change that today. I want to follow the way of God. I want to follow the narrow way. I can ask you to come up front or embarrass you in any way, but if that is you, raise your hand. I want to change from going the narrow way, from going the wide way to the narrow way. I want to change from following my signs to following his signs. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to find the way that you have for us, to overcome all the things that come against us, and to come out on the other side victorious. We all have hardship in life. We all look at some of those hardships. Sometimes we've even yelled at you. God, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm in? And we expect that because of our great need or urgency that you will move. But you've shown us over and over in your word you're not moved by urgency, you're not moved by need, you're moved by faith. And Father, we want to learn how to have faith in you. We give you the glory and the praise for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning is our day to celebrate communion. If you're here for the first time and you'd like to partake of communion, we welcome you. If you are born again, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are a candidate, to receive communion. Doesn't matter what church you go to, it matters what you believe. On the same night that Jesus was betrayed the word of God tells us this. He took the bread and he broke it. This he did before the supper. Before any food was served the word of God says he took bread and broke it. And he said this represents my body which is broken for you. After supper it says he took the cup. He said this represents the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. Communion was done in two parts because God knew we would forget. So he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And the Word of God tells us in Isaiah that his body was beaten, bruised for our sickness and our disease. And it also tells us that his blood was poured out as a sacrifice for our sin. The two parts of Christ's sacrifice for us are these... The blood so that we would be forgiven and the body so that we would be healed. If the blood is is sufficient to cover all of our sins, why is the body a part of our ceremony? No matter what church you go to, there's always two parts. There's the bread and there's the cup. It's always two parts. Because salvation has two parts to it. One is physical and one is spiritual. Get all that Jesus did for you. He took care of your physical needs. But just because he took care of it doesn't mean that it happens. How many of y'all know that there are people in this world who do not accept the blood of Jesus Christ and die in their sin and go to hell? It wasn't that it wasn't available. They didn't Go after it. Go after both. Take the bread that's in your hand. And as we eat this together, remember, it is the body of Jesus Christ. On Him was put our sickness, our disease, our pain. Let's eat together. At the end of supper, He took the the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. In the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and lambs. Covered up sin, but the blood of Jesus Christ washed it away. We are righteous not because of anything we have done. We are righteous because of what Jesus has done. Don't ever let the enemy tell you anything different. Don't be mindful of your sin, be mindful of his righteousness. Strength together.